Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast. I have Professor Henry Heng. He's part of the Center for Molecular Medicine and Genetics in the Pathology Department at Wayne State University uh, School of Medicine. We're going to talk about his book, Genome Chaos, and uh, his unique thinking about uh, genetics, evolution, and molecular medicine. So, Henry, thanks for coming. Hi, Richard. Glad to be on your program. Yeah. Well, tell me about your research. What are you working on? So I am uh, mainly working on the cancer research. Specifically, we study how the cancer evolution occur, what is the unique pattern of cancer evolution. And to use such an idea, we try to understand the cancer more and also provide some tangible tools to develop cancer biomarker and possibly in the future to hope and help the treatment. So besides use the cancer research, we also use cancer as a model, as a unique window to study how the evolution actually occur. Even though the cancer is rather different system, like artificial in such a way in the human animal body. But we try to use this as a platform to answer those questions, which is difficult to be addressed in the natural situation. Yeah, it seems like... uh... Like cancer is, um, it becomes its own life form that has its own identity inside of a person. It seems like it, but please continue. Yes, actually, more and more people realize that actually cancer is uh, seems like the new cellular species, right? So they just form such a species and they have their own life. And of course, there is a process from formation of the cancer, they're always under the stress attack of from normal system, normal cell immune system. So therefore they have to be evolved because of the capability of the evolve and they actually can find a way to fight back. So therefore the cancer is a very, very interesting model to study how the competition collaboration occur and how the cancer can use such a mechanism transform from the normal cell to the totally chaotic, crazy system, and finally, you know, end up the life of the host. So it's a fascinating, even though it's a terrible situation. Yeah, so what are you specifically studying? What's your model look like? You know, what are you looking at? So we usually use a different in vitro and in vivo model. So the idea is that we try to watch the evolution in action. So we want to say, for example, we culture the cell and before it's a normal cell. So the gradually after one or two years, the gradually become, you know, the getting the feature of the cancer. So during this whole process, so every one or two weeks, we get some sample. We ask the question, what change has occurred? Right? So is the gene mutation changed or is some chromosomal changed? You know, what's the profile of change? So we try to compare with the phenotype, what change. With the genome type, what's the you know landscape of genetics, and then try to figure out how the system can emerge, right? So, 
For a long time, people always thinking cancer is a problem of overgrowth, like the out of control of the growth. So based on this idea, people try to find the genetic reason, right? So people thinking, oh, of course, you overgrowth, we have to find the gene responsible for the overgrowth. We have to find the gene responsible for the regulation of such a process. So we have spent so much effort, so much time. Actually, this year, and next month will be the 50 years, you know, after the uh, Nixon declared the war on the cancer. So after the 50 years, most of the time, majority of the research focuses on the molecular study of the cancer. So everyone has the favorite gene mutation, we have animal model, we are all, you know, with the cancer. But after so many years, I've published so many papers, and then we still do not understand what the cancer is. So that's a bigger you know, challenge. So from our point of view, we try to rephrase the problem. So we're no longer thinking that overgrowth is a key fundamentally feature of the system, but we're rather thinking the cancer is a new system emerged from normal tissue. So how the finish such an emerge? What's the contribution factor? What's the overall trend? What's the evolutionary? signature in this such a process. So by asking such a question, we actually have totally different way of thinking because we ask what is a cancer? Which system is? How to define the cancer system? And how to reconcile all the knowledge is current available? So that is basically what we, we are doing in the, in the cancer field. Well, how long have you been doing this? And what, what kind of, uh, I don't know, ideas have you come up with? and trying to model what cancer really is. Sure. So we actually have, have studied this over 20 years now. So initially, we actually uh, just asked a very simple question. So for example, so initially we asked the question, if we have normal cell, and how this normal cell could change to gain the feature of the cancer cell, which is uh, you know, the immortalization, the kind of unlimited dividing, right? So to study this one, we actually have some methodology. So we have a, one way to characterization of the genome change. So we can paint in each cell's chromosome use different color. So we have you know, 23 pairs of chromosome. So each pair is one color. So therefore, so we, when we get the cell, we fixed, get the chromosome, we put on the slides, and then we staining them with different color. So if any chromosome change, then you can see the color mixture. So you know the chromosome have translocation. Also, you can count how many chromosome number is changing. So by this methodology, we actually can trace different stage, how many chromosome are changed for each cell and for the brother, sister, sister, sister as a population. But we also compare when you culture them, like from daughter, mother to daughter, and to grant, and gradually one step further. So we have traced them for over 500 generations to see what's really happening. So by doing that, we actually found some very, very interesting phenomena, which is pretty much contradict with traditional uh, prediction. For example, one of the, our uh, knowledge is that, so the cell, mother cell produced daughter cell is pretty much the same, past the same genetic material. Great. So then you can form the clonal expansion, so it's pure clone. So people always use clone 
imagine everyone is the same, right? Except some very low frequency of gene mutation, you could be different. But when we did this follow-up experiment to watch evolution in action, it was totally surprised us. So when this system is unstable, the mother cell produces a daughter cell. They use the same DNA, but they form different chromosomes. When you say different chromosome, are there genetic changes or the chromosomes for some reason um, are shaped differently? Yes, the chromosome actually to occur is a translocation. So they just one bigger piece, chunk of chromosome one, they just stacked on the chromosome seven or eight, nine, looks like randomly, almost just like reshafting the structure of the chromosome. So, so this actually is a quite uh, striking because in the genetics field, we all know people always thinking a chromosome is boring, right? Chromosome is just a, a carrier of the gene master. So, so basically everyone's thinking the, the function of the chromosome just is a tour, is a vehicle to help gene to pass by the, from generation to generation, right? But then the question becomes so interesting. Why the mother and the daughter cell, when this system is unstable, they just pass different package, right? So this question actually suddenly opened our mind of thinking the genetic information. Because for a long time, we're always thinking gene is the information unit. We inherit the gene from our parents. So we have the information to build our body, build our behavior, right? To respond to the environment, challenge, what, whatsoever. But recent decades, when people sequence the human genome, people initially imagined if we got all this information, we understand the biology, we understand everything, right? That's why the, the, why the member Bill Clinton even declared, you know, in five to 10 years, so we, we will understand almost every diseases, right? So, right, right. but the problem is after we got all the information of the gene, we get lost because almost like, uh, you know, we got a yellow book. I mean, nowadays people do not use yellow book anymore, but so right. you, you, you have a dictionary of all of these words, but these words have nothing to do with understand the how to write in an article, right? So from that part, we actually realized, gee, we actually missed something huge. So give you a metaphor, so what we're talking about. So we're thinking the gene coding the protein, almost like you, you, how to make the bricks, how to make the, you know, the shingle to build the house, everything. So this is a parts information, right? So you have identical bricks, right, material, but you could build a totally different structure. So you could build the pave the road, you could just build the wall, you could build a house, or you could just storage into the warehouse without a function, right? Or you actually could use this brick to fight, there become a weapon. So the same material have a totally different function, depends on the topological arrangement of such a material. And all of a sudden- you're saying, you're saying because of the, it's not just the genes, but the structure of the chromosome itself- Exactly. Um, leads exactly. to function. So we actually realized that the order of the gene and the regulation element along the chromosome is a little coding, which is responsible how the gene interaction with each other. Can, can you see this image? You, so. Because if you have the 
gene, like gene one, two, three, four, five. So in the interface nuclei, they actually form the domain. This domain is a unique domain. So that domain provides the platform for the gene to interaction. So if you change the same domain, so the gene did not change, but the interaction relationship change, then you become a new system. So almost like the house, right? You can, you can build this house by the function and you can build a totally different structure. So therefore now we realized for this over 100 years, we always thinking genes and information, but we did not realize there is a master of the gene regulation. That is a chromosome. Well, even the definition of a gene, I mean, it's a sequence of, of nucleotides, but I don't, I mean, I haven't gotten this question answered. So if there's, let's say, a thousand base pair sequence, you know, in our bodies that can code for something, um, when that sequence is read, what if, you know, and if I label it, let's say one to a thousand, is that sequence always read one to a thousand? Or can you read, you know, uh, 600 to 1200? And that's that's another gene. So what I'm trying to say is a a specific sequence can it only be read in one way, or can different parts of the sequence be read so that there's sure. no such thing as a gene? It's it's really multiple things at once. Sure. No, the, actually the hive, you know, even though the concept of the genes become more and more fuzzy, but what we are talking about is if you imagine genes is a unit, is a beats themselves. So the, the order of the beats themselves determine how this gene can be functional. So give you another example, maybe it will help you to, to think about this, this, this issue. So if you have in a cancer, so you have all the chromosome, but if you have chromosome translocations, for example, your chromosome nine and the 22 translocation or any of the translocation. And then for a long time, we're always thinking the gene within the translocated region is a change expression because the gene could be broken, right? Or could be have a fusion gene. But it turns out other place of the genome, the expression also can change. So that gave us an idea that actually it's not simply gene there, it's the interaction of the gene can be changed. To give you another two example, maybe will help also the, the other people to understand this, is if you put a one piece of chromosome 21, like which can cause the Down syndrome, inject into the cell. So the many of the gene, which is not on the chromosome 21, the expression pattern also change. So the expression, only expression reasonable is actually you change the whole coding rather than that small piece of the chromosome. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. So that is a, you know, the, the, the idea to thinking about this question initially. But then later on, we actually have all of this evidence to back them up. For, ex for example, one of the amazing example is a sponge. Sponge have you know, 18,000 genes, and the sponge have the gene for the immune system, have the gene for the neural regulation. But they don't have any tissue differentiation. Why they have all this gene can do all the wonderful thing, but they don't have any basic sense to do it? Is it because we think the actual arrangement is wrong. So they have all this material, but they just put it into the storage house. They never use them. So it's not because you have this gene or not. It's where you put this gene in your system. Because we know that quite clearly that the different gene 
in the chromosome, they have the certain domain. It's not random. So they have their own domain. So if you put the different domain, you switch, they can switch function as well. We know that because we know they have the position effect. So if you put the gene into close to telomere, some gene expression will be shut off, right? We also know the genome always have gene cluster. So like the Hox gene. So if you change the order of the, this cluster, become embryogenically lethal. So those, all of these people just ignored, but it's completely preserved, even during different you know, animal evolve. So the certain sentinel relationship, the cluster of the gene always maintained that if you break them, animal cannot survive. Yeah, and I know someone that uh, has a two parts of chromosome switched. It's like six and 21 or something. Sure. And they're totally, they seem to be totally okay. But sure. yeah, they have this, uh, this switching. They did genetic testing and, you know, sure. so what, is, what does that tell you? Like, what, what do you think would be different about that person, even though they appear to be normal? Sure. So in fact, the genome that, you know, is the, the different switch actually could be, you know, without fundamentally phenotype at our current environment. But in the changed environment, they actually could be have significant difference, right? The, the, the could evolve whether or not you actually can survive or not. But so far, for many of the genome, they could have certain flexibilities. For example, some individual have the chromosome inversion, right? But when they have inversion, the phenotype actually is okay. But the only problem is they cannot produce a baby. So every time the one chromosome pair to reproduction would be automatically aborted. So one, one person from Italy, he has one specific chromosome inversion and how to overcome this. So they use the text tube approach. So use the fertilization in the text tube, his sperm can, can really have successful with the egg and the, the produce a daughter have identical chromosome inversion. See, that's one of the examples of oh. this question. So they could come out so that is, uh, is okay, because we know even the human, most of the chromosome trisomy is lethal, but chromosome 21 can be survived. So they have certain you know, flexibility or the system toleration, I would say, to really you know, uh, permit this occur. But we actually interesting to know different risks sometimes that European populations have a certain you know, inversion, whether or not this inversion have anything to do with uh, you know, survival advantage or so on and so forth. And it's certainly an interesting subject too. Has, has anyone looked at um, how translocated uh, chromosomes acquired epigenetic marks? Do they acquire them differently? And is it, you know, is it a very different phenomenon there? Yes. So those actually is, a, uh, is, a, is actively involved because of, but we actually ask a uh, slightly different aspect and further push this idea, which leading to another quite fascinating discover about the function of sexual reproduction. So, you know, if maybe I should uh, just, uh, just uh, tell the story here. Sure. So, so when we realized that, the, you know, the different species like the mammal, right? So they almost have similar gene, but each of them have different chromosome arrangement. So actually we know the Chimpanzee and the human, the major difference is the chimpanzee, you know, the chromosome, they have 48 chromosome and the two chromosome fusion together. So the number from 48 become human 46. So now we know even the 98% of the genes pretty much same, 
but we actually have the chromosome fusion. So therefore, just as your question is a translocation, if you will, so the separate chimpanzee with us, right? So then that qu this question is even more fascinating is if you study all the mammals and then human and the mice is a chromosome reshafting about 250 times. And then even in the, you know, the different the monkey species, someone have more reshafting than others. So now we know in the nature that actually is really happened. So we just thinking why, you know, in the nature, all the different species have different chromosome, right? That's a very important question. So it did sure. not re realize this. And uh, which answered this question by our thinking is uh, we thought, okay, people actually challenged us many years ago. They said, okay, if you are right, great. If you are right, there is a coding of current typical coding, right? But how the biological system preserves such information? Because from DNA point of view, it's easy. Gene information preserved by the HGC pair. So you, you can just like a copy, you can get the information passed on. But how the you know the new information, chromosome sets information be preserved, we're thinking, and finally we realized is by sexual reproduction. Why? Because sexual reproduction is meiosis is a pairing. So they always check the order of the gene. So if the order of gene different, you cannot successfully pairing, then you automatically out of the game, right? Yeah, but you, wait, but you did say that the, the people that have um, swapped chromosome pieces can have children, and then the children seem to have the same swapping. Yes, but in that was exactly the case. In the normal situation, he cannot have this baby. Therefore, that individual will not exist in the population, the genome, right? So, but I do, I do know. Again, I, I know, you know, someone with a, a swap, and they've had a child, and the child, one of the children, has a swap as well. Same sure, one. Sure, sure. So this is more complicated because we actually realize there is a core genome concept. Like the majority of us have forty-six chromosomes without all this, you know, inversion translocation. But the small proportion of people have different one. But those will not impact on the major core genome in terms of the past. So they always have different, so this different actually have evolutionary meaning because who knows in which situation this individual can survive, they can save the humanity in such a way, right? So this is one of the uh, another fascinating discover because for over, you know, 120, 30 years, people always thought the meiosis is produced the diversity because both parents are different, you mix the gene, right? And then now we actually realize it doesn't make sense if you're thinking about this, because uh, we know some species that can self-sex. So the mix, the, there's a no issue to mix the gene, but it still goes through the meiosis. So what happening? And then later on, we actually realized if you do not go to the sexual reproduction, then you lack of the constraint so the species just keep changing. So that's just like the cancer. They do not have the sexual reproduction. Therefore, the mother cell can produce the daughter cell with a completely different chromosome. But with sexual reproduction, you cannot do that because if you become totally different something else, you will be automatically aborted. So you cannot survive. Therefore, function of sexual reproduction 
it can filter to keep the species pure rather than introduce the diversity. If there is well, any, I thought that, yeah, I thought that sexual reproduction was to average out differences yes. so that differences won't get get too far Dominated. from the mean. Yes, yeah. but that's you know how how it's average is what we realize is because the checking this one. So so to think about this, it become more uh, profound for the evolutionary theory because we know for a long time the natural selection, right? So the, the key for natural selection is any change is very, very small. But if you accumulate the small change generation after generation, and gradually you could become something totally different. But since if the function of sexual reproduction is every time to wash away the change, how can you accumulate the change as we imagined, right? So, so that actually is, a, is, is our first big question for the evolutionary theory. So the, then we actually realized in the cancer evolution, they actually have two-faced evolution. So the first phase is chromosomal reshuffling. So it's punctuated, right? So the, you cannot trace, you cannot predict it. So this phase actually is almost like the macroevolution. So massive, rapid, whole genome change. So after this phase, then they become microevolution phase. So this phase become very stable, allow gene accumulation, allow many, many generations that do not have a major change. So that actually is Darwinian evolution. So now we realize that Darwinian evolution is just one part of the whole story. And therefore, we do not think after small accumulation, you become big change, become new species is correct for majority of species. Well, how do you, I mean, do you have any insight into how you think speciation happens? Yes, yes. So, so now we actually gradually realized that what happening for the species is actually according to the uh, biological concept of the uh, species from the Ernest Meyer. And he's thinking the barrier of reproduction is a key, right? So therefore, you can imagine as soon as the population formed, only have the similar chromosome that can have perfectly or allowable function of sex. So therefore, there always is one species until sometimes this one individual produce another individual with a different chromosome composition. Then the new species is born. Unfortunately, this new species have to have a chance to find another individual with a similar change. Right. That is why the chance is no. That is why the crisis like, you know, is becoming important, like the massive extinction. So you wiped out. Well, yeah, you can't have just one member of a given population change to become a new species. You need at least two. And even then, the odds are so low. So it seems like there would have to be a pressure, you know, that causes this this adaptation of many members of a given population. Sure, that's what forms the new species. Sure, sure, you actually correct. So we actually, I proposed about the three mechanism to achieve that. The first one is a spontaneous chromosome fusion, almost like a chimpanzee happen. So, for example, in this case. Uh, from 70s to now is about you know 50 years, 
and uh, the in the human population already automatically happened in the literature for three times. So the individual like human chromosome 15 and three or 13 or 14, so they can fusion, fusion, right? So therefore human chromosome from chromosome number 46 become 45. So this frequency is, is known is about, you know, a meaning of, you know, the, I mean, few thousand have some people have one chromosome fusion, but Interestingly enough, they have three families from Europe, from the Middle East, and from China, and they have relative marriage. And therefore, then they have kids with 44 chromosome homozygous, right? Really? So you can imagine what's going happening because this guy with 44 chromosome homozygous cannot find the partner with 44 chromosome. So he married a normal lady, and the three of the kids all automatically aborted cannot get out. So this incident, if without a medical recall, we don't know actually happened. Well, no, we know it's happening, but just cannot pass oh. on. So this is one mechanism. Second mechanism is by hybridization between different species, right? So in plants, this is very common. And then when you hybridize with different species and this reshafting the chromosome. So in that case, so that you can have many, many other potential to get a different partner you can come up with. So this actually is a Barbara McKinney talk in the 1940s did the experiment, so the genetic earthquake experiment. So when he crossed different strain, you know, with some chromosome change, and all of a sudden they produce so many different species like the structure. But at that time, it's difficult to explain, but I think with our current type coding system, then you will know, we know exactly what happening is we produced this. This also is very common in the fish because uh, you know they have lots of cross, the slightly different chromosome, but can tolerate, right? So they have many of this. Even some monkey, people put the monkey together, the cross, they have different chromosome number, and they start to have chromosome translocation. And you can imagine if in the island, gradually they can populate, become bigger. So that is not a problem. But the more interesting is this, is why every time after the, massive extinction, always have so many species just pumped up. Now we actually realized at that time, we also use cancer as a model. So after drug is resistant, they always form the new gene, genome, go through the process of the genome chaos, which is the book of my book. So under stress, the cancer chromosome crazily shifting from all the different combination, almost like the radiation of all the different species form, right? So with this, we actually suddenly realized after massive extinction and then all these unstable species have lots of chance to hybridize with different species and they just gradually stabilize into different environment. So now we know perhaps the real picture is the drastic change in the genome in the different environment that can easily become popularized, right? Rather than the traditional thinking, you go to different islands, and therefore you have a chance to accumulate the small change. No, it's not. It's you already changed, but you go to the island, and then you have a chance to become bigger population, to become sustainable, permanently species, as, as, as speaking. So, so by this way, we actually basically, you know, it's drastically changed the framework of evolutionary of thinking. Well, to have a uh, an extinction, I mean, it needs to be uh, there. There would need to be a you know a virus or uh, 
like a meteor hitting with the dinosaurs. I mean, there would need to be like a very significant event. Sure. That would occur. Sure. So That's I would think happened. that would cause, uh, yeah, that would cause like, I guess, forced variation. Sure. That's what chromosomes happened. and everything. Every, every, every time such a you know, massive extinction happen, occur, majority of the species be wiped out, right? So that's right. why that's why that that creates such opportunity. Hmm. Yeah, of course, all, all of these people need more thinking because uh, most of people, I, I I would say, the first time to heard about this, I mean this different idea. But we actually all of this idea is we actually use the original model. We follow the cancer, you know, progression how it how it's work. You know, we and then the English thinking whether or not this can be uh, implied to the natural. Then we did lots of literature search, study, ask the question what happening, and it seems like it's a fit very well. Yeah. So what do you think is happening in cancer? So what is happening for the cancer is uh, almost thinking the cancer is a uh, result of the trade-off of cellular evolution. So why we say that is because, you know, is, is, is a fact. So for the evolution, for a long time, evolutionary field, people always focus on change because if it, it just a change and the different scale and different speed. But people forgot. On the other hand, you have to be able to preserve in terms of information. So if your information always keep changing, there will be no species, right? So you, you're always changing, you're always on the way to change. So in fact, the not changing actually provide the platform for the changing. So we realized that we know the genome, you have to be preserved. Therefore, the same species, always the same species. But then how to adapt the environment because the environment always changing. So that is a genius method that nature adopted. So they use the function of sexual reproduction, use the developmental process. So what the nature has done is amazing. So the separate germini and the semantic cell. So the germini, they go to the meiosis pairing. So they never change. So in the in million years, the germini, you know, majority of the framework do not change. So the, the man always man, right? So the dog is always dog. But how to adapt it to the environment? So they push the semantic cell, semantic genome change dramatically. So if you want a Adaptative, then you change your chromosome, you change your copy number, you change epigenetic, you change all of those. But the, all of this you change is okay. When you go back to fertilization to produce a new generation, all of this change be wiped out. Then you have the beautiful genome again, right? So you can say always continually doing I, this. I, I thought that uh, some epigenetic marks are preserved. Yes, they're preserved, but the owners many generations, because if they're really powerful, they were replaced by gene mutation. Anyway, so the, the epigenetic marker always have, have the beauty of being flexible. So therefore, but if the system constantly do not change, then another mechanism will replace them. So what do you think starts cancer and how does it start? You know, yes, like the that, traditional model uh, is mutation of one cell and off it goes, but what do you think it is? Sure. I'm continue to tell the story. So therefore we know like the, how the genome change, for example, the liver, right? The liver have, you know, 46 chromosome, mouse 40 chromosome. As soon as the baby or mouse baby start to eating and the, the, the liver cannot handle it, so they become polyploid, 
right? So at the age of 40 or 50, 70% of our cell is no longer normal liver cell in terms of genome. So that is how crazy it is happening in the heart, in the, all the tissue, the all different level of genetic epigenetic is changing. So those change is good because cellular adaptation is good. Like for example, virus infection, you have information, you just change your genome, you handle this. But as a consequence, too much change is a disease. The cancer is one of them. So if you want to use this dynamic mechanism to adaptation cellularly, you will pay the price have a cellular disease, right? Pretty sad, but that's what we think as a such. So therefore, your second question, whether or not it's the gene, whether or not it's the stuff, we actually realized that the trigger could be everything, right? Unlimited, there could be virus infection, there could be inherited gene mutation, there could be you have you know, infection by some others, you have an injury, repair, all this process that will trigger the somatic evolution. But the good news is most of them, did not successful, they'd be wiped out. But then unluckily for us and luckily for the cancer cell, some of them do from time to time, got lucky and had a perfect storm, they change the genome, go through genome chaos, and then get the cancer. I don't know, again, like, what, how do you think cancer starts? What do you think is the first thing that happens? I mean, do, do we actually see rearrangement of the chromosomes in cancer cells? Yes. The chromosome range is overwhelmingly dominant in many of the cancer cells. So, mm, okay. so now we actually have the new model. We're thinking, you know, under stress, because in the normal people, we already also already see the certain rate of the chromosome change, a certain rate. So under this situation, you right now people actually have more more and more uh, data sequence data support our two stage of the uh, cancer evolution. So the first stage is you dramatically reshape the genome, you form a system. And then the second stage, so this cell need a growing and the need a help with some cancer gene. So that is the cancer gene getting in. It's not because cancer gene initiated the cancer, but rather you already have cancer that help this cancer become clinically significant because they need a certain number to grow, right? Almost like the species formation, you already form the species by different chromosome, but most of them cannot survive to fight the partner to become popularization, right? So that's a, that's that's a thing. So for the cancer, we're thinking most of the initial changes will be epigenetic and the information. All of this, when this, because the cancer wants to be successful is very tough because all the system wants to try to, you know, constrain them. So they have to become new system. Therefore, they have chance to become dominant, right? So the initially, the never growing fast or whatever, they just try to be different and survivable. After that, when they become certain, powerful, and then they end So this, this is interesting, though. So sexual reproduction is a barrier. It's like an incredibly strong barrier to, uh, you know, if you have a certain amount of damage or if you have a certain amount of um, maladaptation, again, it seems like sexual reproduction is a, is a very strong barrier sure. to, to, to allowing that to continue. But, you know, if we're just having cell division in our bodies, then there is no such, you know, really strong barrier. And that's why cancer can can occur and proliferate. But, I mean, I guess what this tells you is that cancer, I mean, you know, it'd be weird to say it would sexually reproduce, but I mean, it it, it probably never could. Um, yeah. 
but, but and it can never be sustainable over long periods of time. I mean, it's a it's a state that can is is just not at some point not viable. It's just headed for destruction, I guess. Sure. So for majority of the cancer, we right now it's, it's all of this when when they become most successful, they just kill the host, right? But they do have some of the you know the incident, the different animal. The actually the cancer can jump in among the individual. So that's the thing actually worry us, you know, to think about in the future, whether or not if cancer cases become more and more common, whether or not some of the cancer actually could gain some of the feature to jumping around the individual. That will be, you know, another, you know, dark day for humanity. <laughs> but we're just oh, you mean, you mean, wait, you mean you think cancer, you know, if it could become a permanent part of people, that would be a dark day is what you're saying. But you don't think that could happen. Evolution is is you can do lots of things. So we just uh, you know because of the in in the animal they already have these cases, but uh, we even though it's extremely rare, right? But uh, you know we from us to do in theoretical thinking and study, we always thinking different possibility and how to deal with that. <laughs> Interesting. So what do you think you're going to be able to figure out from here? You know, now, now that you've had some of these insights, what are you looking to next? Sure, sure. So, so the next one, actually, I think in the most important sense, first of all, we want to actually uh, the push idea around because uh, one of the most difficult things for us is really introduce a new idea for the community, right? Despite that we have talking about this for a long time and just the, uh, Recent years, and the more and more people start to entertain this idea because uh, people cannot find the one-to-one correlation between the gene and the phenotype, right? So the so-called missing heritability, people cannot find it. People even cannot figure out what is the gene responsible for our human heights, right? So because of those people thinking, oh yeah, if not a gene, must be epigene, must be epigenetic regulation. We're thinking. Wait for a moment. In fact, the inheritance, we even, even did not have correct understanding of this issue, right? So if the people talking about system biology, system regulation, we always ask, what determines such a system? People just, you know, you know, you know, whatsoever. So no one actually is seriously asking this kind of question. So we're thinking that, you know, the genome, themselves is not like a traditional people thinking is a bag of gene random. They have very elegant topological information and that information determine different species and determine how the evolution actually occur. So with such an idea, people should pay more attention to the chromosome rather than individual gene because they have so many genes and they have combination of so many genes the probability is beyond our imagination, right? So therefore, we did a lot of study where we wasted because we understand the individual molecular mechanism, but we cannot apply to the patient. So therefore, we really need how to, you know, understand the evolution pattern of each individual. Therefore, we only treat them in the right stage of evolution. For example, we strongly encourage people to think about current kidney therapy, like chemotherapy, molecular package therapy, always focus on the killing the cancer cell initially, but they did not realize this process of killing 
trigger the genome chaos and induce the new cancer evolution to come back at us very quickly, right? So we actually, we made this monster in the name of the cure the cancer. So this did fundamentally change our mind thinking to thinking how to manage cancer into certain stage, let them slowly grow in without trying to kill them, but they kill us first, right? So those are is fundamentally important to the implication. Also for the, you know, the biomarker, we need to develop evolutionary based marker rather than molecular pathway based marker because they have so many molecular pathway. The pathway can switch very easily. Now we know if you have, you know, mutation landscape, if you put a drug in two or three days, they completely changed. So what's the point of the chase, the moving target? But rather than that, we actually should encourage people use more of the system constraint approach, like the patient's nutrition, social interaction, immune system, all of this is much more powerful than directly target killing the cell directly, but rather than constraint methodology. So all of this need a different way of thinking and then need many people pay attention. What would be an evolutionary marker, by the way? What would that look like? So one of these, for example, if you can measure the system stability, like the genome, how stable they are, this is very important. So if it's very unstable for this individual, you should avoid a very harsh treatment. Just a very simple idea, right? So you use the potential of how dynamic the system is to measure this, you know, the, the, the trend of the evolution. So that will be very important. Oh, okay. I, yeah, I didn't quite understand what you meant by marker, but okay. So, for, for example, actually, we can like the check the how average the genome stable or the unstable. For the unstable people, we can predict the drug, the, the cancer can easily come back. For the mo most stable individual, so this stability can constrain the cancer. We always can predict the actual growing will be slower than the unstable system. Right. So, that's a for example. How do you know if a, if a chromosome, can you tell if a gene is unstable or a chromosome is unstable? Like, how do you characterize that? Sure. So we, for example, we, we get people's blood and then we culture them to get the chromosome and then we analyze among 100 cells, how many cells with the chromosome change. So that quantity of the frequency actually tells us how stable this genome as a population is. Yeah, it's rather simple. So you oh, just okay. see how, dyna how dynamics they are. In fact, actually people found in European, they found the, the, the actually examine the uh, chromosomal change of the relatives of cancer patient. So they themselves they do not have cancer yet, but they actually brother, sister have the cancer. So when you measure these people's chromosome, they actually have much higher random chromosome change compared with the normal population. So that's tell us, initially, as you ask the question, so some people yeah. actually is unstable at the first place. Well, but this one also is very important for population because, so if you unstable, you get some cancer, but you also have the advantage in certain environment, right? So I give, always give people you know, example. So people say, sometimes ask why me have this gene mutation? Because this is very important for the human as a whole, as a whole race. They need a different diversity. Therefore, when any situation happens, someone has better chance to survive than others. For example, P53 
gene mutation, people all know it's bad, you can get the cancer. But in the mouse model, you know, if you're under high radiation and the normal mice, you cannot survive. But the mice with P53 mutation, you actually can survive, can pass the genome. So this just tells us how paradoxically all this biological function is and all the biological importance of the diversity and the heterogeneity is a key for, for us and for in the future. Very interesting. Well, Henry, it's been a really good call. You know, we're at the limit, I'm sorry. What's the best way for people to find out more about your work? Yeah, I think they can just check my book, The Genome Chaos. And if someone interested to, uh, about the cancer theory, I was, they also can check my book called The Debating Cancer, The Paradox in Cancer Research. So they pretty much uh, propose this, all this paradoxical question and ask people to think in and they invite the people to debate and to fight the right way. So that is what we have the kinds of lack of right now. Okay, well, very good. Well, Henry, thank you for coming on the podcast. It's been very, very interesting. I appreciate it. Okay, thanks. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.